Welcome to the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. Your crackerjack clinical insurgents ready to rehabilitate rebels, charm convicts, and nurture ne'er-do-wells. Daring listeners of Deviance, thanks for dropping by for another raw and unfiltered episode of GSW. Your hosts today are Jeff, Scarlet Lover Moore, and yours truly, Mace Warren. In today's episode, we're pulling back the curtains at our recent escapade at the ATSA conference in Colorado. So buckle up because we're diving into a deep and riveting presentations that we witnessed, highlighting the gems of research that left us intrigued and inspired. Today's five-star rating is brought to you by the hottest video game, Fear of Commitment. Are you tired of romantic entanglements, commitment conundrums, and the hassle of heart-shaped complications? Well, fear no more, dear listeners, because Fear of Commitment is here to save the day. Now picture this. You, the valiant player, embarks on a heroic quest to rescue the distressed damsel in distress. You battle epic beasts, solve mind-bending puzzles, and traverse treacherous terrains all to save the day. But in the end, when you finally rescue the young maiden, you're faced with the ultimate challenge, to commit or not to commit. Why settle down when you can slay dragons? Why say I do when you can say I'm done? Fear of commitment lets you experience all the thrill of a relationship without any of the actual relationship. Enjoy heart-pounding adventures, epic battle, and the sweet taste of freedom all in the palm of your hand. So why choose between love and liberty when you can have it all? Visit our website at commitmenot9000.com to embark on your commitment-free journey today. And remember, the game of love, it's always better to press continue than settle down. Okay. We are for sure. Talk again. Hello. We are for sure recording this time. All right. This is a take two. Gosh. That was, we unfortunately we, for the listeners, we had some gems on there. I would, I would wager we might be criticized for bantering too long in that previous segment, though. We might have been. We, we get that criticism a bit. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a little bit. They so, do it for me. I, I know. Yeah. That's not for you, the listener. Uh, you think I'm getting paid for this? Do you <laughs> yeah. think there's an advertisement <laughs> yeah. on yeah. my channel at all? Yeah. I mean, like a lot of this is <laughs> sometimes I'm working out my thoughts with, with Jeff in, yeah. in real action. And you guys are just tuning in, unfortunately for you. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, suckers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like an aggressive opener now. Now we're both grumpy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like 10 minutes of. We are grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, and man, this video. So, I I, I, uh, I already apologized, but I'll apologize apologize again to our uh, YouTube listeners or watchers, viewers, mm-hmm. I should say, because um, we uh, we were. Oh, dude, and you know what? Jeff went on a huge diatribe when we were recording before, uh, just railing on Mac users because I'm switching from a PC to a Mac, and I'm still figuring out the kinks of our video capture software. So, um, cause this one isn't compatible. This one actually is, is as much as I like it, it's old and obviously it might not be working, but we'll see. I'll see what the recording looks like. Yeah, what, what is the, the, 
what what's producing this problem right here? What's a good question? So they call it sunsetting. They sunsetted the software. So yeah. yeah, even though it's pretty decent software, so the updates and stuff aren't keeping up with the advancing of the updates on like PC and Macs. Yeah, so it just might not work that well. But yeah, I was. But Jeff had some choice words to say about Mac users, which may or may not have gotten him canceled. If that's even po- canceled from what I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I stand by what I said, <laughs> but now no one's heard it. Yeah. And I will still say I do not have any stickers on the back of my on the back of my Mac, which is really popular. So although they they're making la- laptops and water bottles, that's where. Oh, yeah. Because we talked about putting stickers on water bottles, yeah, too. And I don't put yeah. stickers on water bottles, but yeah, that brought us onto the gym on our new segment of, of things I hate about the gym. Right. So just things I hate just, (laughs) well, the the gym is a, is a really popular vector of my hate. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's so many different types of people. There's social situations set up. There's like, like there's like values like sharing and consideration of space. There's like a lot of different things that come up at the gym that people can screw up colossally yeah so I I think yeah the gym is a good vector for I think like I don't know any any just social decorum and it it it, it's a weird it is a weird um medium in like a that that brings to the surface things that you would not see anywhere else like in like uh people yelling for example you know what I mean like I'm, and swearing too. Like, I mean, I mean, people yelling and swearing at themselves while others are watching, you know, like, yeah, where else does that happen? Yeah. Like, besides like wall Avenue. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Wall Avenue. <laughs> yeah. Ad- yeah. Adams Avenue yep. uh, in 26th street. Our office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, and, and I'd like to, I'd like to see some comments on this too. I, I am curious from your guys's perspective. So I was talking to Jeff about, about this, um, I, I wonder. Mm. I wonder what the distance is between. Uh, this is the thing I hate about the gym. One of the things I hate, but there's many things I hate about the gym. But the one thing I was asking about was when you're entering, and I I go to the gym really early, four a.m., and that's relevant because there's just not many people there at four a.m. Right, and um, and uh, if so, if you're walking in with me, if I'm if you and I were working out, I'd open the door and let you in. Okay, right, right? pretty like standard. If, yeah, yeah. And if you and I don't really hold the door open for people because I never I don't want people to think I'm considerate of them like I which is weird. I know I I will walk in and throw the door behind me open enough that if they can. Is it that you don't want people to think in general that you consider their presence in your (laughs) sphere? I don't want somebody to think that I'm trying. I have ulterior motives, you know, like especially if it's like, a um, okay. Like you don't want to hold the door open so they think you're trying to sniff their hair as they walk through. Like you do, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my move. Because Jeff told me that he yeah. he full on holds like, the door open with his butt against the door, yeah. holding the door open, and the lady walks through and he sniffs her hair. Or guy walks Who through and sniffs her hair. Who said lady? Yeah. <laughs> Who's, I, I'm, <laughs> my fear would be is if we if you had you know a, a young lady that was walking in yeah. and I held the door open for her that that might be a sign of I'm interested in her, which yeah. I am not. Okay. And, uh, now not because she's hideous or anything. I'm, I'm just not there for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not interested, interested whatsoever in discussing any, like being there or being part of that 
that process, right? Of trying to hook up at the gym. I have no interest in that whatsoever. And if she thinks that, then, you know, I don't know. I feel like if you're a guy or a girl, you need to come to the gym and be ogle free, you know, not be ogled at the whole time, you know, just whatever it is. So I'm doing society a favor by not being considerate whatsoever. Okay. That's my, that's my pitch. Now, um, I, I ran into a guy that I hate at the gym <laughs> who, for whatever reason, I, I genuinely wish he did. Oh, did you know this guy? No, I okay. just, I just wish he didn't exist. All right. I don't even remember really what he looks like, but he was holding, I saw now I'm 50 yards away. Okay. Imagine. Cause I park far away from the gym. Cause I also don't like to park close. Cause that I have another pet peeve about that, but park really far away, walking into the gym, 50 yards. Um, and I see him like, if you can imagine Vasa, I park at the Chick-fil-A. That's where I park All right. and then walk from there. Okay. I see him open the door for a young lady. Now that's far, that's far away. And I see him that's, and then I'm walking, looking at my phone cause I'm pulling up my barcode to scan in. And then about 30 yards away, I hear him say, well, hustle. And I look up and he's talking to me. And you're sure he was talking to you. There's nobody else. That's inside. crazy. Nobody. It's a the ghost. Owner, town. He, he, he made his courtesy. Your, your imperative. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm it, trying to be a gentleman here. Would you hurry up so right. I can get social points for holding the door for right, you? Right. <laughs> And, and, and the only thing he accomplished was not being courteous. He made me wish his death upon him. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, he deserved that's, it. that's what I, yeah, yeah that's what I yeah. wanted. I was like, man, I've never wished anybody to be on fire as much as you right now. Hopefully he had yeah. a heart attack. And, 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 and I didn't. And the thing was, is like, I, I, you know how awkward it is to hustle with a full ass gym bag and it's like bouncing against your butt and you're trying to you're run. Doing that, you're yeah, like, you're doing that. Yeah. You're doing. Yeah. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Little half steps. And I already had like yeah. sore legs anyway. So I look like an yeah. idiot, you know, and I'm like trying to mess with my phone and I had like a full water. And bo- it like, looks like he kind of like owns you a yeah, little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, Hey, hustle. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm like, geez, <laughs> yeah, yeah. dude. Like, so <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, luckily he didn't pat me on the butt when I was, <laughs> when I was walking in. So good hustle. Bro. Yeah. Oh, oh. And the best part about it, the best part about it was yeah. I get there, I get there and he's holding, he's holding it open yeah. and then proceeds to go in before me. <laughs> dude, that had to have been intentional. It just felt so deliberate that I'm like, Oh, he dude. was looking for a fight. <laughs> Now, or, I, or he's never been in now, one. Once again, I didn't realize the magic that was happening right there. I was like, yeah. how? And then I was like, as I was lifting, I'm like, who is this serial killer? Like, it, you should be thankful for him. He gave you content yeah. <laughs> to open up the podcast yeah, yeah, with. Yeah. Which, I mean, like 80% of our listeners just stop listening yeah, altogether. They're, all, they're like, up. I thought yeah. uh, you were talking about Atza yeah, today. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, which we probably should get into that yeah. content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, what was your. So, uh, oh, yeah. We'll update listeners about your, your eye, though. Yeah, man, I looked out. I, I was fully. In, uh, I was informed that I'd be in an eye patch at this juncture. I was, I think I'm even talked about it in the last podcast. I was planning on, and your eye was going to fall out, yeah, right? My eye was going to fall out. I was going to have to wear a patch. <laughs> my, 
couple of my clients were like gearing up for pirate jokes. Like they were, they like you were disappointed. I my, some of my clients were disappointed. Like everyone was like let down that I got good news, but like, so there I was. I, so again, the, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, I have uh, had melanoma on my eyelid. And so they were going to do this procedure where they were going to cut a big scoop out of my eyelid, my lower right eyelid, and then use skin grafts from my upper eyelid and the back of my ear to create like a, a skin flap that I'd have over my eye, like a, like a duck's webbed foot over my eye for the better part of a month. And then I'd go back in for another surgery where they'd cut open the duck's webbed foot and craft new eyelids for me. So like, that's what I was gearing up for. It sounds, it sounds like medieval. Yeah. It sounds like a duck's webbed foot. Like just sounds like, okay, we got an infection there. We're going to have this bird pick that infection out. Like just sounds like horrible. We need three leeches, testicles from a newt and, (laughs) and a seagull to peck your eyelid out. So I was preparing for the seagull. (laughs) <laughs> and so I uh, so like there I am on the operating table and this was a legit like a game do- game time decision like yeah. right before kickoff. So I'm on the operating. Oh, table. he he put it to it you. Was, huh? Oh, yeah. Wow. And he's looking at my at my eyelid. He's like, man, that's not as bad as I thought. OK, okay. I'm not going to have to do the skin graft. And that was like basically what I'd heard right before like lights out. Mm-hmm. And man, like I can't tell you how good news that was. It was just and it's this shows where my priorities are all screwed up because like so I have cancer. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about like I don't want a skin flap for a month. Oh, I, yeah, I just took that like uh, melon. They're gonna get it, and I'm I'm fine now, cancer free, and I have my normal original, my OG eyelid. Nice, I'm, yeah, dude. So it was good news overall. Nice, yeah, yeah that's really cool. Hell yeah, I mean, especially since like uh, since I mean, I guess uh, you know you didn't. You didn't have to. Well, the eye patch would have been cool. I you did say what was that about? Like you would if you leaned forward, your eye would fall out. Is that what yeah? You, yeah, like if I had, like I couldn't tie my shoes because if I was like to bend over at the waist and tie my shoes, my eyeball. Would fall. <laughs> <laughs> I picture your eye yeah. just flops yeah. on the ground. Like, oh oh god! It's not like connected by like an optic nerve. Like shit just rolls out like a. <laughs> dude yeah. that's awesome yeah well yeah that's 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 cool yeah, but it, yeah, it, it uh it also was man we we gave you a lot of unnecessary sympathy i know that you did not deserve i know it. i i feel like i've got like it stockpiled a little bit and i don't do i give it back like what do i do <laughs> <laughs> do i apologize <laughs> you know like do i should i feel sorry like man yeah for those of you that care about me like so, sorry yeah <laughs> sorry ne- next time that i'm gonna actually die just you don't have to say anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, i've already cashed in my sympathy hopefully, chips hopefully you don't die so yeah okay we still well, recording of course okay yeah yeah, right. yeah i messed up the last one so hey. okay well i was pulling up uh as we were going through this i was going through um some of these things so we could at least read like the um the uh our schedule uh and looking yeah. at looking at the things that we went through but um i got i got a few things on here um 
and hopefully we'll we'll remember some of this and uh, I think we should be pretty good actually on some of these so I have some more elaborate ones that like they go through as far as the descriptions of these so I think we'll kind of get into each one of them uh, the first one is actually the one that took most of our attention so um, we'll actually go over that last because that's okay take good. I was gonna say that's the, that's our, the one I mainly have stuff to say on yeah uh. most of our time and then we'll kind of go from here so um, let me look at this guy so the first one we attended was a um I, I like this one too though. This was a uh this was a um a presentation called Intersection of Human Trafficking and Sexual Offending Practical Guidance for Professionals. And the presenters were Catherine Gomez and Catherine Gotch. So <laughs> that uh Catherine Gotch just presented at the last task force quarterly training. Oh like, really? How was like that? a week ago? It's good. Yeah, yeah I I mi- I missed that training cuz I was uh I was running a race. So Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. I didn't ask you about that. But Damn. oh, it went fine. Yeah. It was I keep getting sick on the run for some reason. I got to figure it out. That's yeah, not good. I don't well, I just like I got to like mile nine and I just got sick to my stomach. I was like, huh, oh, wishing I could throw up. You weren't and, peeing coke again, were you? No, no, okay. no, no. I, I made sure I hydrated this time really well. But um, no, it was, dude, it was 96 down, like oh, in God. Arizona while I was running. It was, it was rough, dude. It was, it was really rough. So why you like that <clears throat> Um, And their abstract is, uh, so I'll just read it here. Um, there is There has been an increased awareness and focus on human trafficking within the United States in recent years with individuals convicted of sex trafficking crimes often being classified as sexual offenders within the criminal justice system. However, very little is known about the psychological characteristics or criminogenic risk need factors of this offender population. This session will provide training on domestic and international human trafficking with a focus on sex trafficking of adults and children, followed by an overview on the current research related to perpetrators of domestic sex trafficking in the United States, the session will also provide practical guidance, and st- practical guidance and strategies for the assessment, treatment, management, and supervision of perpetrators of domestic sex tra- trafficking and victims of trafficking. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, general thoughts about this one. What do you think? Dude. Uh, <clears throat> oh, dang. Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this one's kind of interesting because Arlo, we had him on as a guest and he, you know, his whole thing was doing that truck pull, mm-hmm. the fundraiser for, um, to combat sex trafficking. And one thing that I got from this training, uh, you know, and we can talk about the clinical stuff in a sec here, yeah. but you know, the, the donation went to, uh, from a couple of years ago, at least went to OUR operation underground railroad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, lately, uh, who knows if it's right or wrong. There's been some smoke around that organization, weird stuff. And, uh, at least the, the head guy. And look, I, I am not for public character assassinations. I don't know if he's guilty of what he's been guilty of. Maybe, maybe not. What's he been accused of? Uh, just like guilty of almost like the very same behaviors of what he's trying to fight against. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And then, or, and then like, that's like the kind of the top level accusations. And Mm -hmm. then from there all the way down to like mismanaging funds, like again, like I no idea if it, if anything's to it or not. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk bad on the dude Mm -hmm. until we know for sure. But Arlo had, um, put out like another option called destiny rescue. Mm -hmm. And so, this was right after this this year's truck pull that we went to this conference and I, I went up and asked uh one of those women, like, hey, who who does do a good job with, you know, helping, you know, 
put a, put a stop to sex trafficking. She referenced a group called Polaris, which I thought was like a snowmobile company or, yeah. but you know, I guess Polaris also is kind of like the tried and true long standing people that like, I guess are pretty cost effective and do what they say they're going to do and have a pretty like enduring reputation in fighting against sex trafficking. So that, that was like a piece of info I took back to Arlo. Well, you said Polaris also does that. So they make snowmobiles and, and, that? and grappling tournaments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a Polaris grappling tournament thing too. Wow. Yeah. They, they are, are diverse multi, company. They are multi Holy yeah, cow. sex trafficking, joint locks, <laughs> snowmobiles. <laughs> What's next? Yeah. Like pick oh, a lane. Oh, damn. And, and air conditioners. And air conditioners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That and then the thing, other thing I remember from that is that I got an answer right, except for I was completely wrong Mm -hmm. about it. So she had asked, like, out of like all the sex trafficking victims in a given geographic area, she says, like, what percent of sex trafficking victims are local as opposed to, you know, like imported from. Oh, you know, and you said 99%. Yes. Okay. And I, I believe that was correct. Yeah. But I, I was thinking 99, I'd seen taken. Right. Yeah. So I was like 99% that it was like, you know, Slovakian girls, you know, hold right. here to some right. rich dude's palace, you know, and not that we have palaces in Ogden, but the, no, it's the other way around. It was, it's, it's, it's mostly local. So it's not what you think of. To me, it wasn't, I didn't, yeah. it, it, now it's, now it's obvious. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, of course. But to me, it wasn't immediately obvious that like, when I'm thinking of sex trafficking victims, I'm thinking they're like, you know, taken from, you know, less fortunate countries take, nah, it's like kids in the neighborhood. That's wild to me. Yeah. And it, it seemed like, uh, well, and there, what that movie, uh, sound of freedom is, is a really popular movie. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, uh-huh. and it's, I mean, it, it's kind of a weird, it, it's a weird debate, I guess, you know, like, um, I've, I've heard some naysayers <laughs> that, uh, they're like, Oh, sex trafficking doesn't exist. I'm like, dude it reminds me of that panel that you sat on once upon a time of the shaken baby like panel okay you were confused if it was like for or against yeah like are people saying to shake babies like like i mean is there a debate at this point and there is i know but that it's weird that that there's a debate about sex trafficking i mean Perhaps it's not as prevalent as, you know, maybe Sound of Freedom, a dramatic cinematic movie suggests. I, I don't know. I mean, I know it, it sounds like it was I haven't seen it, but I heard it did really well in, in theaters. I haven't seen it either. Um, but and then and then why, the, though? Well, right. And the attacks on Homeboy, like, you know, it's it's uh, and, and I don't know. I, I know in charities and, and foundations and and nonprofits, there's embezzlement and all the rest of it. But it, it seems like a weird vector of, of attack for like criticism and stuff. I don't know? understand how it got that much heat. Like, I don't know. It's weird. It, I don't know what to make of it. Right. Like if yeah. you just declared, I stand against sex trafficking, seems pretty straightforward. I don't know where you would garner criticism as a result <laughs> of having that stance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, what and, are you trying to say? And, and not as if the presenters were saying that they, they no, no, certainly, they, were, they yeah. were definitely against it. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they they, they did. I think they also, um, 
like the definition of it um, is is broad enough at times too that that certain things that we wouldn't normally consider to be sex trafficking would fit into that criteria, and so it might even be more prevalent than we than we might suspect as far as those things go, and that those those individuals don't really fit the formal criteria of what we would consider to be like a traditional sex offender right. client. Right, that's the other piece. So, and those are, I mean, and that's always important. Not not that. Not that it it's not a crime and it's not important to focus on. It's just that you don't you don't want to target uh, uh, treatment factors that aren't going to be effective in helping them, you know, resolve whatever it is they're going to resolve. Yeah, it's not to say that a perpetrator of that wouldn't benefit from treatments in that they would hopefully then make better decisions, but you wouldn't use sex offense specific therapy and the, the corresponding risk assessment to try to decide a treatment plan for this person. It's not right. the same. Right. Right. Okay. But I mean, overall I thought it was, they did a great job. It was good. I, I thought, you know, and uh gotch, I thought I, re- I really liked um, her case examples because she runs a, uh, uh, sounds like she does assessments and um, has, has ran groups before. And I, those always, I give a little bit more character to the description of what those are. So, I mean, this is one of the better presentations that we attended. Yeah, it so, was. Agree. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Next. Then we attended our, <clears throat> our. it's called a plenary. <laughs> I don't know. I love all these, like, fancy names. You know Just what I mean? Say, like, uh, yeah. like, if you, I love, like, uh, yeah, you're supposed to do a symposium. I'm like, what's a symposium? They're all, I, I had to look it up last year. I know. They're all, it's a presentation. I'm like, <laughs> We just stick with that yeah. <laughs> or, or like, uh, you know, plenary is, I assume the main event. It means like, yeah, it just means everybody okay. rather than as opposed to breakout sessions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I think I, I just want, I know it's, and I know it's an intellectual conference, um, but we let's had, stick with no place there. Let's yeah, I know. Yeah. Let's stick with just words that yeah. everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. So this was, uh, Dr. Nicole Praz. P-R-A-U-S-E. I, I apologize if I prowse. The prowse seems right. Okay. So um, the description here is uh, psychophysiology has been described as a hub science oh, where one. neuroscience, psychology, and physiology are joined to understand phenomena. This. Multiple levels of analysis are especially important in sexuality where the sexual arousal that someone reports differs from the sexual arousal suggested by responses in the brain and genitals. These discrepancies are at the center of controversies regarding sex and masturbation, pornography, addictions, addictions in quotes, by the way. Clients often report feeling they are too sexually interested or responsive, yet the few assessments of genital response find evidence against these claims. Brain patterns consistent with high sex sensitivity do not discriminate for those with shame concerning a higher sex incentive motivation the negative effects reported reflect stigma and partner conflict that remain uncontrolled, ignored in clinical trials. So let's let's break that down. Oh, Describe man. that to me if I was a five year old, dude. The, <laughs> not maybe not a five year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be having this I don't conversation. Know why you talk to five year olds about that. Well, man, the this one was wild. Yeah, right. This was. I actually like, really like this one. Me too. Yeah. It's hard to not pay attention during it. Like yeah. the slides that were shown, just. I mean, it, yeah, the devices, the devices, <laughs> the experiment set up. I mean, they had like AI butt plugs, you know, no joke, no yeah, joke, by yeah. the way. And yeah. I mean, it, so, cause they were measuring, measuring like the rhythmic contractions of orgasms 
to like, I mean, they, they had people having sex or sexually stimulating each other as a part of research, kind of like that old school masters and Johnson stuff or the, where the Kinsey studies from back in the day, but they were, they were kind of doing that. Except you weren't doing it with like three month olds. Except for, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Kinsey went hard on the pedophile stuff. Didn't (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Really weird. I love like, uh, dude, I remember sidebar on that. I always, it was like me and you, somebody was presenting on this and they, the, the bulk of the presentation was humans are sexual beings, right? Which is kind of a weird, ambiguous statement anyway. And then they said, and Kinsey proved this by, um, you know, uh, from zero to six months old, uh, you know, an infant could have a sexual orgasm. And I was like, and me and you both were like, how did they accomplish that? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I am of the mind. There's one way to do that. Okay. And, uh, it doesn't just happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, so, um, how'd they accomplish that? It just seems weird. I mean, I know it's for science. So just asking questions, but yeah, this would be, so it's not necessarily adults. Obviously these were adults consenting. Clearly it is. It seems, um, if you were, if you were attending that, it might seem a little, uh, I don't know just the idea of walking into a building, you know, knowing you're about to get down with your significant other. And this is going to be for research purposes. I mean, seems edgy. I don't know, you know, like, yeah. seem, <laughs> which I, I'm not unappreciative of it, but you know, uh, because d- did you seem, it seemed to me like in a nutshell that the, the hypothesis of this was sex addiction, right? The, the diagnosis of sex addiction is is not real right and and uh i'm gonna show you why that's not why that's not a uh right a, a diagnostic category <clears throat> yeah that, that that was a big piece of it that they what was it to show that like the <clears throat> were they talking about like fmris was that part of it where, mm-hmm. where they were they were saying that like the same areas of the brain in addiction to like amphetamines aren't tripped the same way with a sexual response and arousal. And, and I think too, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think any, anybody that just has any logical sense can look at it and say, sure, people can engage in compulsive sexual behaviors, obviously. Right. Um, to the degree it can lead to some dysfunction in their life. Um, addiction seems to be, it's just my, it's my biggest problem with like, you know, calling everything amazing. You know what I mean? Um, like it I, takes away from things that are amazing. Right, 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 right. Like, uh, somebody says, Hey, can you forward me that invoice? And I forward it to him and there's like, you're amazing. I'm like, that's the standard. Amazing is a top shelf word. And so what happens when like I, uh, fight a lion to the death and win what 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 word is are you now going to use you've already used amazing on this right <laughs> yeah uh, so i mean you know sending an email invoice is more of a meh you know that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's on par with that i mean don't send me that but a simple thank you would suffice but um yeah so when you use the use the word addiction for everything it, it kind of robs what an actual addiction means. You know what I mean? I th- I think, I think that the semantics of the word and the way that it's used in kind of general parlance, like amazing mm-hmm. is uh, kind of what's causing problems here because people might be listening to this and say like, like 
you know, 90% of the dudes that you and I work with have a sex addiction. And it's like, not, not if we're going off the clinical term of what addiction is, if we're talking that, I mean, and we could, maybe there's a, I don't know what a better word is, but if, if we're saying that have people engaged in sexual activity such that they've experienced negative effects and then continued to engage in that sexual activity despite those negative effects. Like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a lot of the folks that we work with. And in in that sense, like people will ruin their lives in pursuit of sexual gratification. People call that addiction, but Mm -hmm. like the, the, what, what would you say is that this is kind of your area? Like what, what would you say is the main, like what makes for an addiction and why is, why does sex not really, at least from clinical, like the clinical definition, not meet the criteria of addiction? Yeah, I would say, I mean, uh, uh, I think the the difference behind it is that um, <clears throat> the administration of of a of a of a foreign stu- of a foreign substance not clinically prescribed for the express purposes of mood altering like that to me, that seems like you're bringing a new foreign, you're bringing something that never existed in your body before into your body now, or, or one way or another manipulating that by putting a foreign substance into your body. Right. Like, so to me and, and, um, that's part of the definition, right? I don't know. I, well, well, don't, don't I you have that. to have like tolerance and withdrawal and oh, stuff? You know what I mean? Sure, sure. I, I I think all those things are are true as well. And yes, yeah, you know, uh, the need to use more yeah. more uh, potency or quantity of the substance in order to achieve the same high as you did, you know, originally, um, or uh, shirking on on duties, relationships, job, uh, you know. Uh, self-development, any, any like daily living activities, um, to do this, favoring this. Um, certainly if you stop that, you go through some sort of withdrawal period or anything like that. Um, and and I think some of those things you can start to see with some of the compulsive sexual behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? Um, like crazier and crazier porn. Yeah. And I don't know if that's, I don't know, but see, if you're talking about a compulsive personality type, that's more matching with the personality structure than it is, than it is like, um, my body biologically no longer interprets this the same way that it does. This is my compulsive need to seek out like riskier and riskier content, uh, you know, or, or behaviors to feed that need that, that to me is where it, it becomes, you know, cause that's where I, I think it could be a problem. You know what I mean? Let's, so it's not, I don't know if that's really, um, and then withdrawals. I'm, I don't know. People go through withdrawals, you know, like what you start puking and, and yeah, you right. know, the shakes and night sweats and diarrhea when you don't have sex. I mean, the moment they click on Pornhub, they just immediately feel better. Yeah. I mean, I, I realize that there is, there is a, uh, a relief that comes along yeah. with viewing content that you find sexually gratifying. And then if that's used as like reinforcement for masturbatory purposes, okay. Um, but at the same time, I, I, there's even, even with like baseline dopamine outputs, you know, and we, we've looked at this before. And uh-huh. I mean, I think on a, you know, on a good day, 
uh, above baseline a sexual activity might give you a 200% increase in dopamine if you're you know if you're having sexual intercourse or, or looking at pornography for masturbation whereas I don't know a shot of meth is giving you 1300% increase it just seems like different universes you know what I mean that's right that and so here's here's the thing like that's the you know and there was there was some wild slides maybe at some point in the future we can even dive into some of those just for the sake of interest but one thing that i do is that like when people use the word sex addiction or or you know a client's talking about i have an addiction to porn or this or that mm-hmm. like i don't correct them i know mm-hmm. what they're saying yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i'm not i'm not that like yeah. I, what a waste of time right to, exactly to get into that. I, you know what they're saying when they say sex addiction dude that that is like that's like when somebody um just the little dumb corrections like that 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 bugs the shit right out of me yeah. like i i mean i was sitting in a we were at a like a staffing one time. It was just a meeting, and this was with um, you know addiction professionals, and and we were talking about and just staffing a case, and said you know so and so has X amount of clean days, and we were discussing like I don't know advancements in the program or something, um, and uh, <laughs> somebody's like, and this is like a person who just entered into their master's program and is doing their their like internship and he's like, can we please stop saying clean days and say days without use? Like that stuff's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dude. And, and I'm like, and then, and then luckily nobody said anything. Right. Because I think we all recognize this. Oh, Oh, this is an imbecile. And we just kept walking. Right. (laughs) Uh, because like, you know, then it turns into a philosophical debate on why this matters. And I'm like, Holy, what a waste of time. Like, but think about it however you want. When I say clean days, we all know what we mean. That's exactly right? what I'm getting at. When I say addiction, we all know what we mean. Yeah. I, I, I'm annoyed sometimes with the, uh, with, with, I guess with the, like when somebody says, oh yeah, I like to be really clean. I'm OCD. I'm like, yeah. you know, I, it, it's annoying, but it's not to the point where I'm going to be like, oh, stop. I'm so bipolar today. You don't know what OCD is all about. Let me yeah. tell you, I'm like, dude, nobody cares. Nobody cares if you <laughs> yeah. live or die. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, don't, don't stop patting yourself on the back. Like just keep walking. So yeah, you know what they're saying, but I, but I think yeah. overall, like the conclusion was sex addiction doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. That was, yeah. I would bet that what is that? Is it a CSAT certification, certified sex addiction I therapist? Is, I think is that a thing? A, I think so. It was that one dude that um, he was in that uh, uh, a drug called pornography documentary. Oh yeah, and uh, he like invented the sex addiction treatment. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I remember the I remember the documentary, but I There's don't a, know the dude. But I think there's such thing as a CSAT. I'll bet they'd have something to say about that. I'll have to change up their initials, maybe. <laughs> well, I'd be well. It'd just be again. It'd be like here, here, here. Yeah, like yeah. you know, they'd have st- dude, and yeah. it just turns into it's, I don't know yeah. some debate. Not, probably not worth the debate. I know. Yeah. Okay, and then then they had uh, <laughs> there's things on their uh, wellness walk and morning meditation that Jeff attended. I didn't go to. Come um, on, now. I know. <laughs> uh, our next plenary everybody in the same room was a called a, a view from the juvenile court bench with the lovely honorable Linda Tucci Teodosi Teodosio Teodosio how about that um I'm not saying that again she served uh, on the juvenile court bench overseeing delinquency child welfare cases in Summit County Akron Ohio since 2003 
she discussed the challenges related to effectively rehabilitating juveniles involved in the juvenile uh, or in the justice system for sexual offenses, shared insights on how treatment providers can assist the court while serving clients' <clears throat> constitutional rights of those in need of treatment, uh, effects on those who have the right uh, on treatment individuals on child welfare system, the challenges of the courts in dealing with availability, use of social media by juveniles who distribute and or view sexually oriented materials involving minors. That last part was the one... That's what caught my attention. That's such an area that is so weird because, I mean, you know, technically, if, it, it, let's say you're... I guess kids more and more nowadays are, are, you know, um, can you imagine if we had cell phones when we were kids? Terrible. Oh my goodness. Like I, I was amazed when I was 16 and I had that Nokia that played snake. Um, you know, and then pictures came around and then the initial pictures were horrible. They (laughs) looked like like, 12 pixels. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what is that blob? (laughs) Um, but can, can you just imagine like, being a kid nowadays and having, you know, uh, say you're 12, 13, 14 and you, you know, right at the peak of when you're starting to become interested in other people and you're saying, Oh, okay, send me a picture. You know what I mean? And little did you know that not only are you receiving and distributing what could be considered child pornography. That is so crazy. Never would even cross my mind. Yeah. Yeah. We get, we get, we get referrals for that. And they don't even have an answer at this point. Like there's, there's, they're like, oh, all counties do it differently. I'm like, counties do it differently. Wow, like you know, it's like so weird how they don't even really have a a, a way to respond to it. And I did like a sexual behavior risk assessment for. Ah, it's been a while since I did it, but she was maybe 13 or 14. Yeah, and she was in on distribution of child pornography. Ooh, yeah, I know. And it, she had sent. A picture of, her, of herself of herself oh, okay yep. okay yep and it's just like what what are we doing here you know yeah like, okay we don't want that to happen right but i mean is sticking this young teenage girl with a felony sex offense the way to address this when she you know sent some boys that she liked in her class pictures of herself yeah that's yeah. wild exactly yeah that is that is kind of wild. I, I, I don't even know. Well, and so, I mean, and, and even like a raw assessment of it, it would be like, I don't know, it would fit within maybe the criteria of what it is. But then I think that's where a lot of clinical judgment has to come in there too. You know, not just relying on the, the assessment component because was, was she fully adjudicated? Yeah. <clears throat> wow. And, and so like factoring in that, this might just be a naive young lady that doesn't really know like the weight of what she's getting herself into. And also that having to go through this process of the courts probably will do the trick, whether or not she ever talks to a therapist, like she probably scares her enough. Like, Holy hell, I'm never going to even deal and with it. As that. you can imagine, like I went the least like Nojo's level one, you know, <clears throat> yeah. psych, psych ed just, Oh yeah. And those who are listening, yeah. Nojo's is the, uh, U- oh. Utah network on juveniles offending sexually. And it's, it's changed though. It's uh, they changed it to the network on juveniles uh, seeking safety or something like that. I I know I uh, I, I know it, it's it's a uh, it's not I don't it's it's I can't treatment I for juveniles that have committed a sex offense. There you go. Yeah, it's a <laughs> committee that kind of supervises and regulates treatment here in Utah. So, okay, well let's go on to this next one. This was uh, another. 
plenary. This was uh, Lindsay Loeb. Lindsay Loeb, really good singer, by the way. Lisa Loeb. <laughs> Lisa. Lisa. Yeah, it is Lisa, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Director of Operations and Support Services at Canadian Center for Child Protection. And this also had to do with oh yeah, yeah working together to support families and victims of online sexual violence. This lady freaked violence. me out, man, yeah. with how ubiquitous this this is. And she was talking about like the intersection between social media and mm-hmm. then uh, yeah. sexual exploitation and just like the way that, that like TikTok you know, can like become a, she didn't use the word gateway, but the, yeah. you know, things like only fans and you know how like a, a 17 year old girl can do her, the dances that they do fully clothed on TikTok and then provide a link to the only fans and that like all kinds of right. teenage girls and boys are getting absolutely manipulated right into, into just that they don't know who they're talking to on. It's, I mean, it's all the same concerns that probably everybody listening to this have about young people on social media and the intersection with talking to people that are pretending to be someone they're not. That's that. But yeah, that, and there was a couple that kind of blended those. Yeah. Those, it, that was rough. It was. Yeah. It, it, and, well, and she gave some real life examples of like, of, of case studies again, that kind of like brought some humanity to the research that she's and Oh my God. Jeez. Just, I feel so bad sometimes. And they just don't understand like that tool that they have in their hands and, and the damage it can do to their life. Long term is, is very similar to, the revenge porn stuff it that was. you and I talked about in our yeah. last one. Like it was just like the, um, just how difficult it can be for those images to be out there and what needs to happen to get those images out of, you know, off the internet and everything, which was kind of, that is reassuring that it is possible to get the images off the internet. Like, which I was like, how? how? Yeah. Well, God, and it may, I, I don't know if it was that one or another, uh, plenary that we went to, but it, it talked about that girl that had her images distributed. And then she like, ruined her life and basically staying up 10 and 12 hours a day uh, trying to get websites to take down our pictures, constantly surfing the internet, trying to find images. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just Tons like, bed, yeah, like they, yeah, they were crazy. Like, yeah. Black. That one them. freaked me out. I didn't oh, know yeah. that's, that's bad. Watch totally. your kids folks. This one has a ton of information about it. We attended one called sexual coercion by women. Oh, and yeah. this was oh, Genevieve were, parent and Alexander Veal. They, they were the French Canadian yeah, people, right? From yeah. Quebec. Yeah. Yeah, they did a. I liked how they were very, very uh, cool about uh, words they couldn't pronounce very well. There's not an abstract here on, on this um, that they provided, but this was uh, just basically, um, I guess, in a nutshell, this was about sexual coercion from women. They, they just, you know, the reason why they engage in, you know, uh, sexual coercion is obviously very different from men. And actually, their views of when they have sexually coerced is probably differing from. When males, you know, different motivations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different motivations, which I mean, it, it, I don't know if it falls into the like no duh category, but, um, still I, I like that one. That was good stuff. I thought they did a a good job. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, uh, just in lieu of time, let's talk about this, this one that we attended here. Um, for now there's like, there's like, we could do an episode on each one of those. I know from our boy, David Prescott, absolute stud, by the way. Um, David Prescott's the director of Continuing Education Center for the Safer uh, Society Foundation. And he we attended a session called the Practical Application of Good Lives Model. And we've been we've been um, familiar with the Good Lives Model for, I mean, a a decade now. Right. Right. Like kind of knowing a little bit about it. Um, And really, this was the focus of this was how programs therapists can best integrate 
the good lives model into treatment with, with anybody who's committed a sexual offense and kind of going from there. Um, the one thing that I, that I was noticing in this was that kind of stu- stood out to me and we'll kind of talk about some of these things. This is the one I probably took the most notes on cause, and I was looking forward to the most, um, was there very early on. He, he threw up, uh, threw, threw up and also threw under the bus, um, cognitive behavioral interventions, mm-hmm. right. From our folks in university of Cincinnati and, <clears throat> and said this kind of manualized approach, which I thought was weird because it was talking about him. He was talking about a manual that he had um, for. So I was like, well, everybody's the, trying to sell a book. dude. I, I yeah. know, which is great. Yeah. It's all fine. But I was, but y- the one thing is, is I, I would say um, I'm not sure. And it might be worth trying to interview him about this too, is I, I don't know if he's as familiar with CBI as we are. Cause one of the things that you and I noticed was the parallels that were were happening within the good lives model like and, and cbi like mm-hmm. um like primary goods uh like so primary goods and good lives is what like, the, that the clarifying values yeah yeah what, what are the what are the primary goods in good lives like what you don't have to list them but what what's the concept of, oh right the, okay so there's maybe 10 different goods needs maybe think kind of the concept similar to like maslow's hierarchy but different and so there's maybe 10 different needs that all humans ascribe, you know, ascribe to, or try to work towards to, in order to like have a good life, a fulfilling life. And like to one degree or another, each of us are in pursuit of these different primary human goods. And, you know, with some being more important than other things and that most all of our behaviors, like everything that we do can, can be looked at in service of those needs. And so whether that's, like uh, an easy one would be like happiness is one of the primary mm-hmm. human goods. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that all the things that we do in pursuit of happiness are that's, that's where we can get ourselves into trouble sometimes. And it's also, you know, where we can, you know, live, you know, sustained, sustaining lives. And so the, a, a way that I like to kind of picture it, it is uh, or a way that I've explained is like, imagine a, you know, a wagon wheel, and I'm like, not like a red rider a red flyer, you know, like a, like a, like a pioneer wagon with the spokes and the, yeah. you know, so imagine that. Happy, oh, like in the olden days, like the olden days. Like yeah. You're on the, the Oregon trail. Yes. Okay. Like one of those whips on the Oregon trail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine that like the center, the hub is the good. So happiness, each spoke is a method through which somebody might get that need met. So mm-hmm. like for you, you know, for you, happiness, one spoke might be, you know, Ironman triathlons. Another one might be playing Fortnite with your boy. Mm-hmm. Another one, you know, it could be hosting UFCs, having people over smoking meats. Yeah. So on and so forth. Smoking and meats. Smoking. Not, yeah. <laughs> like, like meats you eat like ribs and stuff. You heard not, what I said. Yeah. Not <laughs> drugs of any kind. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like brisket. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and so on and so forth. And, you know, there's, you're, you're a, you got a lot going on in your life, a lot of different ways to get that need met. Mm-hmm. And so live a pretty fulfilled life. 
here's the thing. As far as I know, and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt here, I, I don't believe that you've ever done cocaine. No. Okay. Um, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From what I understand, for like a half an hour, it's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Seems dangerous. And, Seems like I would like it too much. And a lot of people tell that story, right? Yeah. Like if you full on got addicted, it's uh, within the realm of possibility that like pretty soon cocaine's going to be like one spoke. Yeah, that's going to be the spoke. And and so when people get themselves into trouble, in this case, sexual offending. So you might imagine, you know, whatever, you know, unhealthy forms of sexuality, that might be a spoke through which a client of ours gets their need for happiness met. And so the idea is we got to help find this dude some other spokes. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been leaning heavy on sex. And so what are some other ways, you know, if if if. If it's that need, if we determine that it's that need that he was trying to meet, then in treatment, we can then focus on like, okay, you're feeling a deficit in happiness. How can we go about finding other means to get that need met? Right. Right. Well, and they, and they, I mean, it has, like, when I think about it, it has, uh, to me, like, if you looked at that, that was just, we, we go over a, an entire lesson in, and actually it's the underpinning of, of most everything else of values assignment. Yeah. Like what's important to me, right. In CBI. Um, and it said the same thing rings true because even when it comes to a sex, a sexual offense, they're fulfilling, they're fulfilling some sort of value or a life good, right. They're, they're fulfilling one of those things. And, um, and you might be like, well, wait a minute. There, there's no redeeming quality about a sexual offense. True, the behavior. It, there's, you know, we could all look at as being abhorrent and and have criticisms, of course. Right? And those criticisms would be valid. But if um, happiness, for example, or just experiencing pleasure in life, right? If that's a value that you put a premium on, well, a method of achieving that is engaging in sexually offending behavior, right? You could achieve that by doing that. Now, it's a horrible way to do that. Similar to uh, if I if I use cocaine for happiness or maybe inner peace, which is another good life or good life's value or, or human good. Um, maybe I you know, want peace of mind. And so I use heroin to numb out because maybe I just have so much trauma. That's the only way that I can do this. We can all say that their method is, is unhealthy and can lead to dysfunctional behaviors. We can all say that, but what we're, what we're saying is you don't want to lose that that human good. You don't want to use lose that value. You want to say maintain that value. Can we reach it in more healthy and more productive and more pro social exactly. ways? Right. So that that's kind of the premise behind the whole thing. Um, and that was yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna <clears throat> say so like. Because you and I kind of nudged each other when he started throwing CBI under the bus. So just yeah. real quick. So we started out, you know, leaning pretty heavy on good lives. And at the time that we switched over to um, CBISO with University of Cincinnati, mm-hmm. it was kind of the perfect storm in that like a lot of our clients weren't quite understanding some of the heady uh concepts in good lives model. And like, I was even having a hard time, like trying to articulate this and, you know, CBI came kind of came along as the, the, the hot new thing. And it lined up well with the whole risk need responsivity model that's, that's used everywhere. And so 
we we uh, we didn't leave the GLM stuff as like, oh, this is trash. It's more like oh, this. This might be a better fit. And then then right. like since then, I uh, Prescott made a point that he's uh, he's rewritten it in a much more user friendly way. And it does appear that's happened. And yeah. so when he started out, like kind of trash in CBI, I, you know, like, I caught your eye. And but the thing is, is like. I think he did that to like say, you know, hey, everybody, you're this is me interpreting Prescott, you know, your sacred cow of risk, need, responsivity um, isn't the end all be all. Here's some deficits with it. But then if you notice, he came back around maybe 70 percent of the way through his presentation and straight mm-hmm. up kumbaya that shit. He yeah. he had like the Bonta, uh, the the big eight, whatever they are, mm-hmm. the big eight risk factors and yeah. showed how those align with the the primary human goods. And so it's like, you know, with, with CBI, we're looking at risk, you know, what are the top eight risk factors, you know, right. criminal attitude, substance use, uh, yeah. uh, criminal history, uh, family and marital, like wh- whatever all those different eight, eight are. And th- they do dovetail and parallel nicely with the mm-hmm. primary human goods. And so I don't think, I think the point he was getting at at the end of it is it's not an either or, it's uh th- these things aren't mutually exclusive. You mm-hmm. can if you and which is what the whole point you and I were making as we were talking under our breath. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look, there's a lot of overlap between yeah, these things. A lot. Yeah. A lot of overlap. So and, I've been using it. I don't know if you had a comment because I was going to tell you how I've been using it. Well, the one thing that they did do. Um, have you looked at have you been able to look at the uh, the updated workbook at all? Like the the one that they did for adults. No, much easier to consume. Okay, the one, the original one that we actually purchased quite a few copies of um, was it, it, it was it, like I was having trouble. I was like, okay, I think I kind of understand what's happening here, but it was it was kind of heady, and and uh, I think clients really had a difficult time understanding the content. And I mean, the chapters were long. Whoa. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you'd have thirty pages, and 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 that's not that's not traditional like CBT giving somebody a 30 page assignment saying see in a week. You know what I mean? CBI is much more like cut to the chase. Right. Like that's kind of what I appreciate about the, the, I guess the dynamics of, of CBI is I can kind of apply it to practically whatever. And I'm just applying a CBT concept to whatever the flavor of the day is for that client uh, as far as what's going on. But there, don't get me wrong. There are some fundamentals that we're trying to, to, provide through psychoeducation and then translate that into, okay, well, how are, how are we going to live a life differently? Because that's, I think the, the basic concept behind both of these is you can't same thing with like substance use. You can't just say, I'm going to stop using drugs. Okay. Uh, great. But you have to say, okay, well, wh- what was the lifestyle that led, that was yeah. compatible with using drugs in the first place? So it, it can't just be, I'm going to stop using drugs. You know, that, that goes back to just accumulating clean days and accumulating clean days is great. But that's not a solution to the problem. That just simply gives you an opportunity to make changes in your life so your life is no longer compatible right. with that. And the same thing goes for this is, yeah, you're going to have a period of, of you know, I, I guess you could say abstinence from sexual behaviors that are leading to problems for you. Usually there's a long period right after you got in trouble because you're so terrified of the consequences that follow. And you need to take advantage of that period and say, okay, what, how did, how did my lifestyle get down to the point where I was capable of engaging in this behavior and then say, well, what are some lifestyle changes that I need to make and how can I know it's going back that direction and how can I reverse course, you know, and also some emergency strategies when things get really out of hand. So which, 
seems like that's consistent with both the models. You know what I mean? Like both the models incorporate those those two things. That's exactly what I found. I really thought at first he was going to go the direction of just completely running down CBI to <laughs> yeah, promote his book. Yeah. It, it didn't end up being Which that. Which of course he didn't. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Now, Prescott's a classy dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He, he uh, so, you know, and just for the sake of the listeners, you, you want to pull up that document. I'll just read the heading of yeah. each of the 10 needs. And then I'll, I'll just tell you what I've been doing the last two or three weeks if I can, uh, uh, with clients that, this guy right here. Okay. Yeah, that'll work. And all right, you're up. Okay. So just <clears throat> without going into detail, cause I'm sure everybody could kind of presume what these are about in order. Well, not in any given order. So we have life, which is like survival and healthy functioning. Then another primary human good is knowledge. Then we have mastery, which would be excellence in work or play. Then we have autonomy and self-directedness. Then we have inner peace then relatedness, then community slash belonging, and spirituality, creativity, happiness. That's it. And yeah, so th- those are pretty uh, universal. You know, all of us can relate to those 10 things being important to us. Maybe some things are prioritized more than others. And so it's like the CBI stuff with the quick cut and dry, here's a technique that you can immediately apply apply right now. That's amazing. That has immediately direct utility. I can change the way that I regulate emotion within 10 minutes of learning a skill. That's mm-hmm. invaluable. The The primary human goods concept is almost more of like a, it creates the framework through which we would have the motivation to apply these skills in the first place. So it's mm-hmm. almost more of like, here's the philosophical underpinning under how to live a healthy life. Okay. This is what matters to me in life. Now the, the CBISO skills are like how to actualize that and keep from getting in my own way with my emotions and, or, you know, the way that I compulsions, whatever it is. So that the two again, dovetail nicely. So what I've been doing the last couple of weeks is I'll, I'll run down these 10 skills to a client Mm -hmm. and I just will, will tell them like, okay, what, you know, what, just like the clarifying values assignment, you know, tell me your top three, what, which, which three are most important to you. And then I'll have them rank themselves on a scale of one to 10. And, you know, and so for the top three skills, they'll say, you know, a 10, a 10 would be, I'm fully fulfilled in that area. A one is, um, the opposite. And it's, it's solid conversation starters. I've noticed clients really like the, the departure from just talking about risk Mm -hmm. and the bad stuff they, they, and what I found is that like, I I've had conversations with clients that I've been meeting with for months Mm -hmm. that I have not yet otherwise had. And I've learned about my clients even more. I've got this dude that I've been meeting with since December and like solid guy, uh, you know, got a decent job, married, um, quiet kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, passive a little bit, uh, not really loud and bombastic kind of just, you know, sort of blends into the background type of dude. Yeah. And always compliant, good dude. Anyway, uh, I asked him this question and I was thinking that like in my head, I'm trying to guess like, all right, what's this guy going to say his top primary human good is. And, you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, uh, probably, 
autonomy and self-directedness. Like he, 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 he complains often about being on paper. And I think this dude just wants his freedom back. That's going to be the top thing he's going to say. He's not very, he's going to be rate himself as like a five on that. Cause he's on paper. Yeah. I was completely wrong. Yeah. He, he, uh, he picked the one that I forget what it's how it's worded, but the the one that kind of has to do with achievement. Oh, okay. And it does that completely caught me off guard. And he goes on to tell me the story that like I have to kind of be careful for confidentiality, but he he came from a rougher background than I think I realized, like much much more poverty stricken than I'd realized. Yeah. And a lot of his family members are just not functioning very well at all, and uh, like just rough lives. Yeah. And so for him, he, uh, he got himself out of a terrible neighborhood, moved well away from his, from his hometown, got himself a college education, got himself a job, got himself promoted up, up the chain of command, mm-hmm. uh, in a decent position now. And, and he's, a. Uh, his ultimate goal is he wants to work himself into the position to where he has a stable enough home that he's going to be able to adopt his niece. Who's currently a ward of the state. Yeah. And he's like, and so for him, achievement is like top shelf motivation. And so he's got a big barrier. He's got an offense, yeah. you know? And so like adopting a kid's a, a barrier. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 But, but like, that's what's driving him. I had no idea. Well, and so, no so devoid of that conversation, you would have not known this primary good that, that was, I was calling them human goods earlier, but primary good that, that was, was in his life at that time. And then, cause it seems like the primary goods are great, but those are, pretty, I guess you might consider those like long-term goals, right? And within those long-term goals of things that I want to accomplish in any treatment plan, we have short-term objectives that we have to accomplish. And some of those short-term objectives are, well, yeah, all that's great, but maybe I have a hard time controlling my sexual urges, which the good news for any of our clients is we have a technique, a cognitive behavioral technique that is, you know, in the, in the curriculum of, of, uh, of CBI that manages that really well. You know what I mean? So yeah, they dovetail really well together in that, you know, one might be a little bit more long-term and, and they do have some self-regulation stuff in, in good lives model. I'm not going to say they don't. Um, but, there's very some some micro aspects that are happening in CBI that's mm-hmm. addressing some very direct and distinct you know uh, things that the client might need in the heat of the moment that that give them a very codified way of responding to that you know that otherwise I, I just haven't seen any other any other curriculum or workbook provide and 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 once you learn those things it's helpful as applying those techniques because clinicians new to the field. They just don't know these things, you know, and it's nice to have, oh, here's some really good literature that's going to back up and telling me exactly how I want to administer this technique, working with a client and rehearse it with them, have them apply that outside of there and then measure whether or not they have any emotional appreciation for this when they come back in. So absolutely. So, yeah, but that one was, I thought probably the best presentation that we attended. Um, yeah, I could listen to things. Prescott talk about anything. Yeah. I like his jokes. He's a funny, yeah. he's a funny guy. And he's so humble, you know, and just like very like just nice. Yeah. And polite. Yeah. Very, he handles uh, the infamous rhetorical questions that come up very well. Masterful. You know what I mean? Huh. Like, uh, I won't give you an example, but yeah. those are, man, those conferences notorious for that. Mm. Somebody raises their hand. And by the way, everybody, let me just tell you, we'll end on this, okay? I'm just going to give you a little piece of etiquette, okay? 
when it comes time for questions and the presenter says, hey, everybody, do you have any questions? The implication is that you're going to now ask questions, right? And if you raise your hand, if you raise your hand and then the presenter calls on you, there is also a very strong likelihood that you're about to ask a question. Do not now declare, I have a question. No shit, Barbara. I know you have a question because the presenter said it's time for questions and you just raised your hand. You don't need to now declare, I have a question. And don't you dare tell me what type of question it is. Don't say, I have a quick question. Dude. Or a dumb question. (laughs) Just, I know you're- know you have a question. Start. Go. Well, I would like 75, 80% of questions start with, I have a question. I have a quick question. I know you do. Remember that lady? I have a question. A quick, quick question. Yeah. I was like, I was like oh, dude, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the building. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's that's a that's some. So we like we've learned two different pieces of etiquette that we can close on, right? Because I want to tie it back into like the the holding the door thing. Yeah. I yeah. say I say ten feet. Okay. If you're gonna hold the door for somebody, if they're ten feet away keep holding the door otherwise just keep going i'm, I'm good with 10 feet okay yeah. oh, if you if not you're a serial killer yeah. okay Agreed. don't fall into that yeah. and please don't declare you have a question we know when you, we know just start <laughs> asking your question <laughs> Hell yeah. okay all right speaking of going away we'll end this sucker bye everybody well folks you've survived another ride with the gorilla social work podcast If our twisted sense of humor didn't send you running for your own therapy, then do us a solid. Slap that five-star rating like it owes you money. Because honestly, if you're even thinking of giving us a three or a four-star rating, you might as well admit you're dead inside. And for all you thrill seekers out there, share our podcast like it's the juiciest piece of gossip you've heard. Spread the madness. Annoy your friends. Offend your grandma. We're not here to make friends. We're here to corrupt the airwaves with our questionable wit and charm. We'd like to stay in chat longer, but we're lying. Good night. <laughs>